Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Pre-ranked number 42, you say? Don't mind if I do. How's that for jumping in quick? Jalen Brown is the next name on the board. Many of you are extraordinarily confused right now, and sorry about that. I will introduce what the hell is going on here, uh, but I have to start by saying I don't fully understand this one. Sometimes there are things that just sort of slip by me. We all make mistakes. But also there are times where you look at a, a situation and it's just not right. And so just the way we finished off with Drew Holiday on yesterday's show, as someone who was pre-ranked 41, but basically hasn't been down in that range in quite some time, we also talk about Jalen Brown, who's had stretches of top 20, top 30 production, but ultimately, he's a 75-76% foul shooter, he's a decent field goal percent guy, he scores, there isn't a whole lot beyond that. And there really isn't a whole lot of room beyond that on a Celtics team that added scoring punch this offseason. And we dive in on Jalen Brown because yesterday, Monday's Labor Day special, we got through pick 41, not pick 41, that's the wrong word, pre-rank 41, Yahoo's adjusted rankings. Last Thursday, again, I believe that was the day it was, Yahoo shuffled the board, do you guys pronounce it Yahoo or Yahoo? I think it comes out both ways at some point during the show. They completely changed it. Completely rearranged the board. So we have to reassess almost everything fundamentally that we were banking on. And that's the... I mean, it's, it's both the beauty and it's the hideous ugliness of this part of the fantasy season. The run-up to draft day, you have to be dynamic, you have to be malleable, you have to be reactive to changes in the board because it all changes what everybody else is seeing and where players are going. I say now welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, Tuesday, September the 6th. I like emphasizing Tuesdays because that brings us to countdown time, six weeks from opening night. Six weeks away. It's also off-season episode number 107. We can start to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel here, the NBA off-season. We're in draft mode now. This is fun times, because if there's a day where I don't have a whole lot of stuff to talk about, I can just do a mock draft. Right now, I'm doing them on Fridays because I think it's kind of fun, but we always have that in our back pocket. Pretty soon, we'll have real drafts to talk about. Football starts this week, but, you know, whatever. Now, if you do care about football, great, because right now, the Fantasy Pass over at Sports Ethos this year has both basketball and football in it, and the hoop, I said it, almost did it, you guys almost caught me, not hoopball, Sports Ethos Draft Guide is out now. It has player profiles from Mike Passador, the greatest player profiles you will find anywhere in the industry. Anywhere. Hands freaking down. I would recommend you get the Fantasy Pass instead of the Draft Guide. You can get whichever one you want, I guess. But the Draft Guide only takes you up to opening day, and then all of your access gets shut off to the premium stuff. Fantasy Pass will take you through six months 
from the day you get it. So most of the regular season from now. It has both basketball and football. It has everything in the draft guide, plus all of the in-season stuff, plus football, plus the Brewski 150 five days earlier than the draft guide. Go to sportsethos.com, get a Fantasy Pass subscription, get a draft guide a la carte. Thank me. I thank you. It's a symbiotic relationship. You're helping power this Sports Ethos locomotive that allows us to keep growing every year. This is that time of year where we need you guys to check out the stuff we're selling. It's the only time we talk to you guys about money all year long. So just deal with it. And uh, thank you in advance for checking it out. And thank you doubly in advance for those that go and get one. I am Dan Bespris, your host. I'm at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S. B-R-I-S. You can also just, yes, I'm saying this one on purpose. You can just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's still, for some reason, what my name is linked to. I don't know how long we're going to have to be sports ethos before it shifts over. But if you Google Dan from Hoopball, I'll pop up. My Twitter will fly in there. And then I'll just retweet everything that has to do with the draft guide and fantasy pass. And you can find out about it that way. You can also hit me up on Twitter if you want to be part of sports ethos leagues. Those are open now. Join them, listener leagues for sports ethos fans. That's football, uh, excuse me, basketball. I think we we had a football one that filled up, so that one is uh, is closed off now. Basketball ones are open. Last year we had like 45 or 50 of them. They just keep growing every year. If you want to get involved, let me know. We can get you on a mailing list, all that good stuff. Or if you want to be part of our team, we're recruiting. You can hit me up the same way for all of that stuff. Twitter at Dan Vespers or email roster at sportsethos.com. I want to get through the rest of Yahoo's adjusted rankings. I'm sure they'll do it again in a couple of weeks, and we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. But it's really important right now that we look at the changes they made. So you heard number 42. Miles Turner is number 43. Here's the thing. And this isn't about Miles Turner specifically, or Jalen Brown specifically, or really anybody in the next few picks specifically. It's about this group where at the end of Monday's show, We talked about this Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, Robert Williams, Nikola Vucevic, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, six fallers in eight names between 34 and 41. Some of them more interesting than others. Middleton, I would argue, the least interesting of that bunch. But this is what I talked about on Josh Lloyd's pod two weeks ago when he was kind enough to have me on over on his Locked On show. It's what I talked about on this show when we were going through some of the ADP information and it's this weird phenomenon happening right now. And maybe it changes in the next few weeks. Maybe it changes if Yahoo readjusts their board again. But right now the Dan Vespers old man squad had used to be kind of like a pile in the middle, a bunch of guys between 45 and 75 that I felt should all be going closer to 35 to 45 instead. And then there's always some guys that are sort of farther down the board. But this year, it's like somebody took that pile, and this this mental image works perfectly here. Someone took the pile of old men squad guys that were all in the middle and just took a wedge and smooshed it straight down from the top of the pile, firing the pieces in both directions. So now there's this wedge in the middle of the draft board where the old men are not uninteresting enough. I don't know what, however you want to classify it. And they're just surrounded by all these guys that everybody thinks are going to be better than they probably are. 
That's what we're getting into now. Now, there's yes, there's the odd name here and there that maybe doesn't completely fall under that heading. But basically, starting with Jalen Brown, it's almost a blanket across that middle chunk. Miles Turner is an interesting one because he's kind of not that, but we don't know where he's going to be playing on opening day, so right now it's pretty tough to figure out where he ought to be drafted. If he could ever stay healthy, he would destroy whatever ADP you stick on him, but he's not really staying healthy. And if he gets traded to the Lakers, like everybody thinks might happen, and frankly should if the Lakers want to compete for a title this year, that Buddy Heald miles Turner trade makes them a ton better. If he ends up in, with the Lakers... He plays mostly starters minutes. Uh, his role is a little bit different. He and Anthony Davis would form a hell of a rim-protecting duo, that's for damn sure. Um, but you would have to, I think, slot him down a tiny bit because there's just not a whole lot around AD and LeBron. Um, still, once we figure out where he's going to be, then I think we can make a better assessment of him. Jared Allen at 44 is not... He's not an old man squad guy. He's not old in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but he was 32 last year in what was arguably the best season you could have ever imagined for Jared Allen. I, you know, I, with Donovan Mitchell coming to Cleveland, I don't know what that means for him. I would presume very little because he only had to take 10 shots a game and they unloaded Lowry Markkinen. So you could argue the front court actually got thinner. So they're going to need as much Jared Allen as they can get. They're going to need a ton of rim protection. He and Evan Mobley are going to be tasked with that. So I'd assume his role is not that different, and this is actually a relatively safe spot to get him. I also understand that it's harder to convince yourself to take Jared Allen at 45 because you were able to get him last year at like 75, but that's what happens. A guy has a good year is going to get pricier the following season. And honestly, if all those other names we talked about are off the board already, this one's not that bad. Then you got De'Aaron Fox after Jared Allen, who always ends up going too early. Evan Mobley at 46 is an intriguing one, depending on what sort of steps you feel he takes forward this season. He was 81 per game last year. It seems like all signs are pointing to him being an elite, elite defensive player, but I don't know how much he does offensively. And we also don't really know what kind of adjustments he makes at the free throw line. So he feels like someone that in this now Cleveland build, I don't know how much more he gets to do this year. So how does he raise his value? Could he get over two blocks a game? Eh. Could he fix his free throw stroke? That would be priority number one. But I find it actually kind of hard to see him jumping all the way up into that kind of top 40 range, which if you're taking him in the mid 40s, that's what you're hoping for. Otherwise, you've wiped out any potential for growth. Scotty Barnes is listed at number 47, which this one, I guess, makes a little bit more sense, perhaps, than the Mobley one, because I guess you could argue Barnes gets to do a little bit more. You know, he didn't shoot many three-pointers. His free throw stroke wasn't very good. Doesn't really need to improve the other stuff besides just a, gets a little bit more role with Toronto. But there was a lot to like about him also, uh, still, th I mean, this is what I'm talking about. You got Mobley, second-year guy. Barnes, second-year guy. Zion Williamson, who, for all of intents and purposes, is basically a second-year guy right now because he basically hasn't played. He's at 48. At all of this after De'Aaron Fox. So it's like four guys in a row that you're, that you're thinking, okay, well, how much is the buzz going to contribute to this stuff? 
Christoph Porzingis at 49. This is not a surprise. And if you wanted to say, here's an old man in the middle of all this stuff, that's okay. I'll give you that. Porzingis was number 18 per game, missed 31 ball games last year. Some of that was a Wizards tank. He came back. He got to squeeze in a few ball games. Washington's going to want him to play because they want to win. Uh, they started strong last year, kind of fell apart. I think they made some good trades just generally that that win-win trade with Denver where everybody kind of got what they were looking for. So uh, to say this is what they want is less impactful than saying this is what they're going to get. But on the Porzingis front, they're going to be shooting for him to get to around 60 ball games this year. Anything more than that, you call gravy. Uh, anything within like three or four games of that, you probably call just kind of a generalized win. The funny thing about Porzingis is as you look back at last year, mid-second rounder by totals, missed 31 ball games, and still was right around his ADP. So from a head-to-head standpoint, you obviously can't draft a guy like that, but in Roto, he makes a ton of sense around pick 50 because even if he misses like not much shy of half the season, a little less than that, I exaggerate, I exaggerate, he still got into that 50 range by totals, and then you fill in the other games with somebody else. So totally fine with you guys going Porzingis late four, early five, provided you don't want to have a team with just a bunch of beat-up dudes, and then you're just replacing all of your early picks. Jonas Valanciunas is at 50, which is all well and good last year, but now he's got to deal with Zion coming back, and that's just not going to be the same situation. JV was number 27 by totals last year, but he did play in 74 out of 82 ballgames. I averages, he was also still pretty damn good at 42, but you've got to figure he takes a step back. 13 shots a game is probably higher than he gets this year. 11.5 rebounds is probably higher than he gets this year. He's generally an old man squad guy, but I don't like his outlook this season, and I don't feel like Yahoo adjusted him down appropriately. Same story for for CJ McCollum right behind him at 51. Same team. It's all that same issue. Brandon Ingram will be healthy to start the year. Zion will be healthy to start the year. There's too much for these guys to do what they were doing. And McCollum was 55th per game last season because he's got free throw yips. This keeps happening to guys in the NBA. No, thank you. If you drop those guys down into the 60s, I'll take a much longer look at them. But right here, I, you know, there are a select few dudes in this range that I'm eyeballing. Uh, OG Ananobi at 52 happens to be one of them. He was 52 per game last year, and I thought he had about the worst overall numbers he could have. Bad percentages... Steals and blocks were fine, I guess. Scoring was fine, but it just felt like there was so much more he could do. So I'm actually okay with Ananobi there. He's a little bit of a post-type thing going on. We talked at incredible length about OG last offseason going into the year where I had a number of guests on this show last offseason that were like, I'll take him up to like 30. And I was like, I don't know, man. I think you're, I think we're wiping him out a little bit because we all liked him. And the question was, how much did we like him? And... uh he blitzed past that number. Brandon Ingram, another Pelican here. All of them lodged between 48 and 53, basically. BI 53, that's too high for me. He came on strong uh, in the second half of last year to get his per-game rank up to number 70. But again, I mean, we're talking about like 
even at 70, that was Ingram taking 18 shots a ball game. His defensive stats have once again disappeared, which is where they were for a, most of his career. And then he had that one year where they bumped up a little bit. They can safely say that that was the outlier now. Josh Giddy at 54. This is another sort of big swing kind of guy. I don't feel like we really need to at this spot. Almost none of these guys that I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm like, okay, is this a guy that could beat this mark? The answer is, uh, yeah, I mean, they could, but you're looking for someone that likely will, either by totals or per game, one or the other. Either way, it's questionable on almost all of these names. Terry Rozier at 55, he's a name that got bumped up the board quite a bit here. Terry Rozier was number 30 last season per game. He was also quite durable, so he beat that by totals. But look, I don't you know, sort of even care about that because he clobbered this number even on a per-game basis. Charlotte. Likely be without Miles Bridges. I see no reason why Rozier still isn't a value, even as a mid to late fifth round pick. Shame, of course, is that his pre-rank was like 15 slots later prior to this Yahoo adjustment, so we wiped out a little bit of it. But Terry's done it two years in a row now. It's no longer fluky. His role is not going anywhere. I think you can just grab him there and call him one of their very few safe guys pre-ranked in the fifth round. Christian Wood at 56 in Dallas, that's a big swing. If it works, he could beat it. Now, see, at least he's a guy where you're like, okay, I could see a universe where Christian Wood beats this mark. Last year, he didn't really come close. He was number 82 because he was effectively a punt free throw guy. But we've seen him get that free throw stroke into the 70s before. If he does somehow adjust that, then yeah, he gets into the 50s. You take away, I mean, he was horrendous at foul shooting and still managed to hang out near top 80, which I, you know, it's a little bit of a feat all by itself. Desmond Bain at 57. I'm a little bit worried that Bain takes a small step back this season. Uh, It just felt like last year was kind of a perfect storm. He shot 90% at the foul line, 18, four and a half, three, 1.2 steals, three, three pointers, plus the 46% shooting. I don't think it's a big step back. But even a little one makes this less sexy of a pick. Still, I mean, he's got that Terry Rozier profile. Their numbers were strikingly similar this last season. Desmond Bain and Terry Rozier. They were also ranked within six slots of each other. Terry outscored him by one. Exactly the same number of three-pointers. Rozier had about one and a half assists more per game. And Bain shot about... 2% better from the field and 5 at the free throw line. I mean, they were really close. So if I'm going to squabble with anything here, uh, it's just that I wish both of them were going like a half to one round later. But again, if you're coming through on the 5th and maybe there's a guy in the 6th round that you've been looking at down there, maybe you like Keldon Johnson, maybe you like Jakob Pertl, something like that, but you're thinking, "Ah, I bet those guys get back to me. Bain and Rozier are really, really easy plays to make in the fifth round. Same kind of with John Collins, actually, who's pre-ranked 58th. Uh, it just left a really sour taste in everybody's mouths for years now. Only played in 54 games last season, but quietly was number 48 per game. DeJounte Murray coming to town doesn't make his life any easier, but his role kind of is his role. Get you about a block. Some of a steal, some scoring, some rebounding, good percentages, very low turnovers. It's not really going anywhere. 
You worry maybe Murray could take some rebounding away, but at the same time, eh, it won't be a much. Also, you know, they're all in this get-it-and-go mode now. Yusuf Nurkic at 59. That's kind of a swing worth taking, I think. He wasn't very good last year. Hasn't been good for a couple of seasons. I thought he'd go lower considering how bad he's been. This is pretty surprising to see him as high as he is. This kind of feels like Yahoo trying to get ahead of a hype thing, which, that's annoying. I thought we had Nurk profiled out as a post-type guy. Maybe not. Paolo Banquero at 60. Too rich for my blood. D'Angelo Russell at 61. Too rich for my blood. <laughs> I'll, I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say that here. This, this whole section. Where was D'Lo last year? 75? Do we really think he's getting better? I don't. Other people on Minnesota are. Tyrese Maxey at 62. This is an interesting, like, do we believe it kind of thing. Because Maxey profiles as a lower steals version of Desmond Bain and Terry Rozier. I don't think his role gets bigger. If it does, it wouldn't be by much. Um, this is probably about where he should be ranked. I hate when they're ranked where they should be ranked. Jordan Poole at 63. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about all these guys with what you'd call the sort of standard uh, shooting guard fantasy build. Poole was number 65 last year. He was basically, he was almost exactly Desmond Bain without steals. That was Jordan Poole last season. And his role should stay relatively similar. Um, he's a younger guy. He'll be playing for a bigger contract. Clay Thompson won't be Steph. These guys won't really need to play for the bigger contract, so they're going to count on Poole to, to give them a little extra. But this is a lot. That's a lot to spend draft capital on, on Jordan Poole. Mikael Bridges at 64. He got adjusted up the board. That's annoying. Because he was number 54 last year and once again played an every damn ball game. Gotta love that durability with Mikel Bridges. Uh, and he was pre-ranked in the 70s before this, so they're trying to squeeze us a little bit. He was effectively, I thought, the start of the next group of old man squad kind of guys. But now that they bumped him earlier, he might be the outlier in this long stretch where there are very few if you want to call Rozier one, that's fine. If you want to give Bain like a honorable mention, and then Bridges is almost definitely one. But Tobias Harris behind him, pre-ranked 65. That's not quite far enough back. I think he went in the 70s in that mock draft we talked about on Friday, and I said they're starting to try to lure me into it. And uh, 60s is not late enough. You guys know I love Tobias Harris. I have for a long time, but you also have to look at fit. And with him, he's not going to be that 40-some-odd that range guy. Even if he's durable, you're probably looking more at 70s. I think he will be better than we saw right after Harden was added to the team. I think he'll, he'll find his role a little bit better. But 60s is too early. This is all part of this. Even the old men typically here, not typically, I should say to this year exclusively, even the old men in that middle range are generally not ones. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't like them that much this year. Jonas Valanciunas, CJ McCollum. These are guys that I'm always talking about as safe, middle of the ground plays, and they're just not this year. Their, their situations have devolved. Michael Porter Jr. at 66. It's a dice roll I don't think you have to take. Yeah, there's a lot of upside there, but mm, there's also a lot of baggage. Julius Randle at 67. No. 
Jakob Pertl at 68? Yeah, I got no problem with that. He was actually terrific the second half of last season. Sort of lost in the grand shuffle of how good Jakob Pertl got after the All-Star break. Final 35 games of the year, he was inside the top 40. This is almost exclusively because free throw stroke went from 35% to 60. The other stuff didn't change that much. 14 points, 10 boards, about two blocks. He was really good after the All-Star break. Yeah, he's a threat to be shut down or traded, but if we're talking Roto in particular, whatever he does before that sort of gets bankrolled. Or banked, I guess. I'm having trouble. Words not flow. Alperin Shengun all the way up to 69 in this iteration. Well, thanks, Yahoo. You wiped out all the fun there. I don't know what to say at this point. I guess my only curiosity is, first of all, I'm not drafting him at 69. My curiosity here is, does he continue to spike upward, or is he a rebound candidate? Because his ADP was back near 100, even when he was ranked like 120. So he already knew he was going to go earlier. And now, does he just rocket past this 70 range and get drafted low 60s, late 50s? Like, how far does he go? Or is this, everybody looks at it and goes, ooh, that, like, they moved him way far. And does he now bounce back in the opposite direction? The next adjustment and, frankly, the next ADP settling, I think will tell us quite a lot on that front. Jalen Green got jumped all the way up to number 70. No thank you at 70. That's that's my target for him in, a, in kind of a best-case scenario. That's basically what he was doing post-All-Star break last year, and not quite even that. He was more like 80 range. I liked Jalen Green, and they screwed it up for us now. Jerks. Wendell Carter Jr. at 71. A little bit too rich. Because he doesn't get defensive stats the way that it it feels like he should or did. It happened for like a month, and it was never real. So they pushed him up the board a little too far. But I need to look at this from the other standpoint. First of all, let's mention Jalen Brunson, because he got pushed up to number 72 from the 90s now, and now they've kind of pushed him perhaps a little bit too far up the board. All of this is moving guys down that previously were not draft values, but now some of them are. They moved Keldon Johnson up to 73, by the way, which I, you guys are going to be probably freaked out to hear this. I actually still like him at 73. Shh, don't tell anybody. Keldon Johnson went absolutely crazy down the stretch last year. He was number 46 the last month and a half, and that was with DeJounte Murray on the team. He took 16 shots a game, averaged 20 points, six boards, three assists, a steal, two and a half threes, and he did it on good percentages with almost no turnovers. I don't usually like the young players, the ones that are on the move, but Keldon Johnson could easily take 17 shots a game this year. It could very easily happen. There's just like nobody left on that roster that can go score. Now, does efficiency take a hit without DeJounte Murray? That's a distinct possibility, but you're talking about now... So much usage getting heaped on a guy who for a long time was basically just decent percentages and scoring, and now is going to be asked to be those things and a lot more offense. Keldon Johnson was a third rounder the last month last year, and Murray did miss some of those ball games. But again, like we're talking 16 to 18 shots a game, he's a third, fourth round guy. Provided the field goal percent doesn't slip 
too considerably. So shush, don't tell anybody. They could go even higher on him. Clint Capella at 74. I mean, there's no fun there. But this is probably the start of where the old men now begin to look somewhat interesting again. Capella's a guy who's going to see his role slowly diminish. I don't think it'll diminish by much more than it did last year because he was just sort of in cruise control. But you could see how much better the Hawks were when he was engaged. But then he got hurt in the playoffs anyway. He was 64 in 27 and a half minutes a game last season. That probably gets mostly replicated. Uh, you could see the blocks maybe even trend up just the tiniest bit. But you're also talking about kind of a punt free throw guy that you're grabbing now in the seventh round. So you, you have to be ready to add that to your team. This is the Capel is the move you make if you just have a crap ton of really good foul shooters and you've forgotten rebounds and blocks because you know he's going to lock them in. Jakoperto would have been a preferred choice a couple slots sooner, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't like Draymond Green at 75. I think he's going to be completely disengaged this regular season after the, the championship, so uh, passing on him. Jeremy Grant at 76 is a relatively safe play, but I'm probably passing on that too, mostly because I don't know if he goes to being Jeremy Grant that played next to Nikola Jokic type of numbers, like Bubble Grant, which... You know, the fantasy value was not great last year. He was fantastic in the playoffs, but his role was pretty small. Or if this is like this sort of amended I'm the man Jeremy Grant that's been in, in Detroit, but also maybe you get a little efficiency bump playing with Dame, it's too risky for me, uh, especially here where in the seventh round you still have a lot of guys left on the board that are much safer and much more predictable winners. Tyler Hero at 77, that's a little too early for me. Klay Thompson at 78, that's about where he should be going, and I would probably do it over Jeremy Grant. I know that probably get more games out of Grant. Franz Wagner at 79. Uh, there's just a lot going on with Orlando. Wagner was pretty good in his rookie year. Finished, like, around the 100 mark. Uh, and he's likely to get better. And I know everybody's watching him in, in the EuroLeague stuff and saying this guy's about to blast through the moon. I just don't know if... Like, I don't see the steals changing that much. Percentages were already pretty good. What we need out of him is like an extra two to three shots per game. But I, I just... It's hard It's hard to see it happening with the team adding Boncaro, possibly Jonathan Isaac coming back. Fultz will have a bigger role. I don't like to draft into log jams even if the player looks like they're improving. Ivica Zubac at 80, I'll pass. Sadiq Bey at 81. So let's from here, let's actually focus a bit more on things that, that caught our eye as opposed to going through every single name. Jamal Murray still going in the 80s. I actually like that one. I know said with Michael Porter Jr., um, yeah, like you don't have to take that risk. Uh, but... Oof, boy, with Murray, once you get to this point, like, there's just so much room in front of this number. Uh, Isaiah Jackson got bumped all the way up to 85, so that now is a pricier meatball. Um, I think I'd still consider it. Mitchell Robinson at 84 seems reasonable. Uh, Mo Bamba at 88 is still fine. Marcus Smart now has fallen back into the 90s, so he now falls into that sort of old man makes more sense zone. 
Lonzo Ball, 91, no. Ben Simmons, 92, I'd rather not. Although at this point, he's probably okay. Russ, no. Devin Vassell at 95, absolutely. Jabari Smith Jr. at 96. That's one where you might have to squat on it a little bit. Brandon Clark, they moved him into the top 100, you jerks. Now I know you're listening. Now I know you're listening. Boo! Boo earns to you. You know I'd still take him there. Gary Trent Jr. got moved inside the top 100. They're clearly listening. Grumble. Kyle Lowry got moved all the way back to number 100, so he now is someone you could consider because he can sort of take that big old hindquarters and sleepwalk his way into 60 to 80 range per game stuff. And again, if you're in Games Cap Roto, you can roll up 55 games of Lowry and, and catch two or three rounds of value on him, then you do it. Who else we got outside the top 100 as we start to wind this thing down a little bit? Bobby Portis at 101, Anthony Simons at 102, Gordon Hayward at 104. If he's healthy to start the year, that's pretty interesting. Horford got moved outside the top 100. Interesting. He was in the 80s on their last build. Now Horford, previously not so much an old man that I was targeting, becomes one again. Try as you might, you can't get his silhouette off the old man squad these days. Rob Covington at 106. Uh, I'd like it to be a little bit later. Kevin Porter Jr. at 109 is an intriguing kind of squat guy. Josh Hart at 113. Mm, who else we got in this range? Monte Morris at 118 is interesting. Brooke Lopez at 121. I bet he goes higher than that. Mike Conley at 124 is a very interesting Roto games cap grab, uh, depending on if they start him in Utah and he gets to play like two games a week. Larry Markinen, he'll move up the board now after that trade. He was 122 in Cleveland, which actually made him a little bit of a value. Uh, in Utah, we can't assess him because he, he's going to go sooner than this. And uh, we'll, let's wait and see what their next board shuffle actually means for him. Markel Fultz at 123 is worth a grab at that spot. And as we keep working our way down the list, Colin Sexton was 131. He's going to rocket up the board now after the trade. And I think that's most of the really interesting ones. Then you got this, like, long list of sand, effectively, where you're looking for the little piece of glass in there. Bogdan Bogdanovich in Atlanta, probably at 150, is worth a last-round grab just to see if he can keep any kind of role behind Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. The answer is probably not, but if it does, you know, he's a 90-range guy or even a little bit better. Bones, I thought he'd be ranked higher. He was getting a lot of analyst hype. I wasn't really in on it, but, like, he's got 100-range potential, and if he's going at 154, that could creep its way onto your board. And that's really it as far as, like, where do you think guys are going, where they should end up. Everybody else on this list is just a... It's a grab bag. They're in there. Take a shot if you want. Most of them are going to be wrong. There'll be a couple guys outside this, you know, 150 that pan out. But, you know, once you get into second, third, fourth iterations of the Yahoo board, and once you get into the, you know, the ADPs start to crystallize a little bit by the middle of this month, there are very few surprises. Very few. Who was, the, who was, the, like, was Desmond Bain almost the only surprise last year? I ended up with Gary Trent everywhere. I, it's like... But even those guys are going in the 120s and 130s. So what's left at this point? There'll be a couple. 
Like, I don't see TJ McConnell on any board, but if Indiana blows everything up and he's the last man there, you could see him just playing his butt off for, like, not that many minutes, but just enough to put up some numbers and then the team lose. Doesn't that just scream TJ McConnell? Anyway, they're out there. And that's your new Yahoo board. And we'll do this again the next time they mess with it. Don't worry. Uh, tomorrow, we'll probably get into the trade stuff because, I don't know, maybe something shakes out. We'll see. Uh, if not, there's always something. It's the run-up to the NBA season. Six weeks away. I am Dan Bespris. I hope that you guys will follow me on Twitter. I hope so. Love to talk to you over there. This time of year is actually the best time because I don't have 95 questions every morning that I wake up to that I simply can't get to. Like right now, if you send me something, I'll probably see it. So that's kind of fun. Anyway, uh, on to tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. I can't believe it's six weeks. That's the best. It's not the best. The best will be six weeks from now. Although, I don't know. Then we'll be through draft season. I gotta think on that. What's more fun? The start of the actual season or the, like, four days in a row where we're all doing a ton of fantasy drafts? Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? Feel free to send me it on Twitter. No, I'm, we're not going to do that crap. I'm Dan Vespers. Have a great one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.